You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Some of you know I've got two kids, two small, wonderful little bundles of joy. My daughter Nora is four, and my son Malachi is two, and he is about as big as a four-year-old. He's He's a very large kid. And he likes to wrestle hard. I actually got a scar like a couple of weeks ago, and my wife was like, what happened to your face? I said, Malachi happened to my face. So we were wrestling so hard in bed, he just was like, yeah. And I just I was very concerned. I started praying immediately. But my son, uh, he loves reading this book right now. We have, I meant to bring it, but we have this really big uh, kid's book, and it's called I Love You, Daddy. And um, it's about these two bears. It's a daddy bear and a baby bear. A really short book, and over and over again, it's the baby bear saying, I love you, Daddy, because you roll around in the leaves with me, and I love you, Daddy, because you get dirty with me and, and you know, roll around in the mud. It's just a bunch of silly stuff. But at the very end of the book, it says, I love you, Daddy, because you're my Daddy. And so my son's favorite thing to say right now, which, you know, warms my heart, is he just he grabs me, he goes, you're my Daddy. And he just squeezes me really hard. And uh, I, know, I know, buddy, I love being your Daddy. And it's just the sweetest, because as I'm reading this book and as I spend time with him, I'm realizing that for both of my kids, but in this moment, like, he loves being my son, and he loves that I'm his dad. And I'm not saying that I'm the greatest dad in the world, because I'm not. Um, but I realize, because, you know, we'll look at them rolling around. He's like, we, ro- we roll around the leaves, you know? Like, he, like, remembers things. And I'm realizing that it's just this connection that we have as a, a father and a son, you know, that he looks at all these little moments, and he goes... I'm connected as your son, and you're my dad, and, and that's, he loves that. He's happy about that, you know? Secondly, my wife and I, and by my wife and I, I mean my wife decided one day that we were going to build a bunk bed, <laughs> because you guys know I'm such a talented carpenter and whatnot. Um, I don't do very hard manual labor. I'm a musician. These are delicate little things I got up here. Um, got to take care of them. And, uh, but my wife decided we were going to build a bunk bed and not order an Ikea bunk bed, like... We're going to Lowe's, and we're going to buy 10-foot-long 2x4s and 2x6s, and we're going to borrow our neighbor's saw, and we're going to, like, make a bunk bed. And she's like, you got this, right? I was like, yes. So I'm out in the garage, and I'm cutting up 2x4s, and there's a piece of it that's a platform. So you go up these little stairs, platform, up to the top bunk. So I'm just, like, drilling in these 2x4s. You know, it's hot. I got the garage open. And Nora comes out, and she's wearing these little princess high heels. So she comes clopping out. And she's like, Daddy, watch this. I said, okay. So I set the drill down. She gets on her bike. She rides in a circle one time and then hops off and then puts her hands on her hips and goes. I was like, oh, that was the trick. That was it. So I just said, cool, honey. That's awesome. And she said, are you proud of me? And I'm like, of course I'm proud of you. You know, are you really proud of me? Of course, I'm always proud of you. Zip, 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 zip. Just still going. And she says, uh, are you proud of me even when I'm bad? Even when, I, when I'm not good? Are you proud of me when, I'm, when I do something wrong? This is my four-year-old. <laughs> so I realize she's not a baby anymore, first of all. And uh, getting emotional thinking about it. And uh, man, I, 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 I felt the Holy Spirit like touch my heart in that moment, you know? Put down the drill. I said, you stop what I'm doing. Got down on my knees. I held her shoulders. I looked her in the eyes. And I said, honey, no matter what you do, I will always be proud of who you are. 
And I mean that. I will always be proud of who Nora is. She could do all kinds of stuff wrong, and she does things wrong all the time. But I still love her, you know? And I, this was the first time this ever happened, but her eyes lit up, and she got this big smile on her face, and she squeezed me so tight. She said, I love you, Daddy. I said, I love you too, baby. She said, okay, bye. And she ran off, and I cried over the two-by-fours, and I was like, great, cool. Both of my kids have this desire to be loved by me and by my wife. And um, we're going to get into it today talking about prayer, but something my wife told me a while back that she read about child psychology is, you know, the mother is the one who's like the nurturer, you know what I mean? And and the mother plays such a pivotal role in like the upbringing and like the, the health and the wellness of the child. But the way that the dad sees the child carries their character and their personality and how they see themselves, their identity through the rest of their lives. The father's role. When I, what I say to my kids, how I treat them, is going to carry them into their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. And I was like, thanks for sharing. I'm glad I have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. I appreciate it. And it's like that with our faith as well. Like, however we see our father in heaven, how we connect with him, and not connecting with like a, some sort of vapor up in the sky or not connecting with just this dictator or this totalitarian ruler. But how we connect with the Father in heaven is how we're going to define our faith life. Does that make sense? So this morning, like we're starting a new series that's called Our Father and it's about prayer. And all I want, my big focus I want to talk about is just that prayer is an opportunity for us to connect with our Father. Because our Father in heaven is not, again, he's not evil, he's not mad, he's not ticked off, he's not disappointed, but he affectionately and deeply and intimately loves you, and he loves who he's created you to be. And the way that we can continue as believers to pull off the flesh and put on the spirit man, the spirit woman, is to connect with him in prayer. And so my hope, my prayer today is that we would redefine what prayer is and that it would not be some, I don't know, awkward, small group before a meal thing, you know what I mean? But that we're just connecting with our Father in heaven, you know? That's all it is. And we're all just kids lovingly and hopefully energetically seeking our Father's face and seeking his love. Um, Like I said, it's a new series um, and just a couple of things to help us keep the path of where we're going. Number one is that every moment of prayer is a moment for God to change us and for us to move his heart. What that means is, if I'm not in prayer, I'll give you guys a good example. My wife and I are um, foster parents, and we've had a little foster baby for about a month now. And two to, two, from two kids to three kids is a big jump. I'm just going to come out and say it. And um, I have learned this week, I have failed this week to try and connect with my Father in heaven. And I can be honest with you, like, Lacking in that prayer life for me has left me worn out. And it's left me at times hopeless. It's left me at times questioning, like, am I even capable of doing things right? Am I even capable of being a good dad or a good husband? But this reminder that when I choose to pray, when you and I choose to pray, it's a moment for God to change us and to work things out in us. And not that we would come to him and perform for him, but that he actually, like the song said earlier, wants to come in like a surgeon and he wants to fix things. And that if I choose to pray into moments, not just pray before my meal, but 
in moments of hardship and frustration and annoyance and sadness and doubt and fear and loss and pain, if I choose prayer then, he might come and change it. Doesn't mean the pain might go away, but he's going to come and change your perspective, right? So it's a moment for God to change us, but it's also a moment for us to move his heart. If you guys look back in the Bible, there's so many moments. Like, you remember Abraham's, like, arguing with God about um, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's like, if I can find 50 good men, and God's like, okay, cool, if you can find 50 good men, if I can find 40, if I can find 30, and he's, like, negotiating with God. Um, Moses as well, on the behalf of the nation of Israel, he's up there like, please don't obliterate Israel. You said you were going to do this. And God's like, you're right, I did say that. Sounds good. There's like ways that if we choose to pray, that it can change our circumstances. That if we hadn't have prayed, things maybe hadn't have changed. Does that make sense? So like, God can change our lives, but it can also change our surroundings. So that's the goal of this, simply just to talk with God for the sake of life with him. So like I said before, um, you guys have been in small groups before. I've been in youth group before. And it's incredible to me because I've been the guy too, like how uncomfortable we get when we're asked to pray sometimes. You guys notice this? You're sitting in a small group, and the small group is like, hey, Oliver, why don't you pray for us? And, oh, you know, like, what do you mean i got to pray? You know, all of a sudden we're trying to remember verses of the Bible in our mind, and we're trying to, like, remember, you know, Trinitarianism or something. Like, we're, like, trying to make sure that our doctrine's correct and that we're biblical and that, you know, and you're just like, okay, yeah, I could do that. And that's just not what prayer is. You know what I mean? And I think it's just become this weird, and not just in small group, but you go to different churches and different cultures, and, like, there's these phrases we say. There's weird accents we get all of a sudden when we're praying. You know what I mean? Like, we just put weird stuff on when it's time to pray. You guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and I just, I really want to disarm those things today and say, like, I know our hearts can be in it when we pray, you know, maybe the way that different people of our culture pray. That's okay, but... If our heart isn't to just talk with God, then what are we doing? I'm going to read a verse in a moment, and Jesus just says, he says, like, babbling like the pagans do. He's like, guys, we don't need to just worthlessly talk to God, you know? If you're not actually wanting to talk to him, just don't pray. You know what I mean? But let's pray if we want to talk to him. And let's pray if we want to hear his voice. But if not, Jesus says, just be quiet. Don't worry about it. You don't have to do all that. Um. So anyways, my goal is to disarm some of that and and hopefully um, make prayer not just something we think about or something that we're afraid of, but something that we care about and something we want to practice every day. So if you guys have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 6. So this is Jesus giving his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. He's in the middle of this sermon, and these first 18 verses in Matthew 6 is Jesus defining worship. And he talks about giving to the poor, he talks about fasting, and he talks about prayer. And he says this is all acts of worship. Now, obviously, in the American church, we think of worship, we think of what we just did for, you know, 25 minutes, just playing guitars and singing. And that's worship. And it is worship. It's musical worship. But what Jesus is going to show us is that prayer is worship. Prayer is an opportunity for us to adore God. And honestly, to be adored by him as his children. And so as we read this, I want to hopefully, again, give some real tools and real applicable ways that we can engage in prayer, and that it wouldn't just be this uh, theoretical thing we think about, but something that we engage in in everyday life. And Jesus is going to give us that. Okay, Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 5, I believe it is. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, Jesus is talking about hypocrites. Uh, basically, you'd have people like the Pharisees, not just Pharisees, but most of the time it's the Pharisees, standing in synagogues. And how many of you guys have seen The Chosen? Anybody seen The Chosen? Raise your hand. So good. I just like cry every episode. Anyway, there's a scene, I think it's in the second season, but the, some of the Pharisees are looking for somebody, and they're in the synagogue, and this guy is just like rocking back and forth, you know, and he's like yelling out these scriptures, and the Pharisees are like, excuse me, sir, can you help me? And he's like, I'm the holy God. He just like keeps screaming. And that's all it is. It's these guys would stand on street corners and just yell prayers. It's funny because in the episode of The Chosen, there's like this homeless woman over here, and she's like, he's been doing that all day. He's not going to stop. And she's just so annoyed. And that's the reward of that performance and, and the reward of the hypocrisy, right? Because you can outwardly be praying something. You can say, Lord, let your kingdom come, and God, let revival come, and blah, 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 blah. But if your heart is not unified with the Spirit of God, your prayer is worthless. Seriously. Right? doesn't mean you're worthless. just means your words are. And so what Jesus is trying to say is you don't have to be loud to pray correctly. In fact, what you should do is go be alone and in the secret in front of someone you can't see and pray to that person. Because to have the faith to believe that your prayer in secret is being heard, is the reward of that is a built-up faith. Because you're going to see God speak to you. You're going to see God move in your life. But you have to choose to move in faith. Because it's easy to, for me to pray in front of you guys and get, mm, amen, that's right, brother. Like, you know, that feels good. But when I'm alone at home, I've got crying kids everywhere, and I feel like I'm at my wit's end, it's hard to pray then, right? But if you choose to move in faith in that way, God's going to move in a powerful way. Warren Wearsby had this quote. I wanted to put it up here. It's pretty intense. He said, it is wrong to pray in public if we are not in the habit of praying in private. That's it. That's all I got. That's just... There's a sermon today. I don't have anything else to say. Our prayer life is a clear diagnostic of our faith life. If you want to know how your relationship with God is going, I would encourage you to look at your private prayer life. Because listening to worship music is great. Coming to church is great. But if you are not on your own, at home, alone, seeking and praying and studying the word on a daily basis... What is the substance of our faith? If we're not communing with our God, that's what our faith is. Being one by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus, like being one with our Father. So if we're not engaging in that daily, what is our relationship? Prayer life is a clear diagnosis of our faith life. Okay, next part. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Um, I remember this uh, story. You guys know who Elijah is, right? Elijah the prophet. That's a bad dude, y'all. Like, he's just got some, he's intense. He's a lot. Um, I wanted to read this passage from 1 Kings. I don't know if you remember this story, but my kids love reading it in their little kids' Bible. It's where Elijah prays down fire on the sacrifice. You remember this? My kids love it. Um, and I also love reading scripture where you see someone being kind of sarcastic, kind of snarky, you know. I'm like, well, these are real people, you know what I mean? Um, I'm going to read this, but we're going to see the, the setting is that Elijah walks in on 
Just some people being manipulated by the prophets of Baal. Baal is a false god. And basically, he challenges the prophets of Baal. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll find out who the true God is. If you can provide a sacrifice, and if your God, Baal, brings down fire and burns up your offering, he's the real God. But if my God brings down fire and takes up the offering, my God's real. Sound good? And the prophets of Baal are like, sick, let's do it. And there's like hundreds of them, and there's just Elijah, right? So we pick up, and this is the prophets of Baal trying to get the sacrifice to be taken from Baal. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called out the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response, no one answered, and no one paid attention. So to go further, Elijah is like, okay, so that didn't work. So he like tells them to like fill up this altar with water, and he like drenches it in water, and then he prays, and the Lord just like burns it up, and it's just the craziest story. It's so good. But just to give a context for like babbling like pagans, like the thing is, if we have no one we're talking to, we have nothing to talk about, right? So like pagan worshipers, that there's no truth to these idols. There's no truth to these gods. There's no substance to them. So as they pray, they don't have anything to say. So they're just babbling and just kind of going on and on and on. And just for us, what does that mean for us? We have to know who we're talking to in order to have a healthy prayer life. And that's where I would get into getting into the word of God and knowing who our father is. Because if we're not reading scripture, we have no context, Right? We're just talking to somebody up there in the air, maybe who's listening, maybe who's not. So often we regurgitate what we've heard our parents say, or our pastors say, our worship leaders, and we have no real truth within us to proclaim. And the the slippery slope of this is that as we're picking up something we had when we were kids, or if we're listening just to podcasts and sermons, or sitting in worship sets, and we're picking up what other people are saying, it slowly pushes us pushes us even further and further away from the word of God and taking it for ourselves and going, I'm going to go seek the Lord in prayer. I'm going to go seek the Lord in the word of God. I'm going to go do those things. Because instead, I'm I'm dependent now on Oliver or I'm dependent on whoever big pastor, worship leader is. I'm waiting on them to tell me what the next thing is instead of getting it for myself. And so the encouragement is that the father who's listening to us, I promise you, he cares more about the quality of our prayer over how much we pray. So what I mean by that is like, spend your time like in the word of God. Spend your time practicing prayer and not waiting for like someone else to give you an encouraging word or waiting for Instagram to tell you what's good or or whatever it is. Like, no, go see it for yourself. Go sit down in the Psalms. Go sit down in the New Testament and wait for God to speak to you. And let that become the quality of your faith instead of just trying to feed yourself with everyone else's voice. All right, we're getting to the end of it here. I feel like I'm zooming through. I'm going to try and slow down. All right, so Jesus gives these non-examples, right? He's like, well, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the pagans. This, then, is how you should pray. I'm going to stop right there. So something I love about music um, in regard, and this will coordinate with prayer. Um, So any musicians in the room, real quick? couple? Big hands? I hold auditions in my email. I'm just kidding. Um, no, so if you're a musician, you know this. So somebody can play an A chord, okay? A chord is just three notes put together to make a chord. 
You could play an A note. Somebody else could play, I don't know, an A major seven. Somebody else could play an A nine. Okay? So these are all iterations of the same chord. They will all sound similar, but they sound different. They're unique unto themselves. Or if I played an A on the guitar and then somebody plays an A on the piano, they're different, but they're the same chord. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're unique unto themselves. So when Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, he's not saying, hi, this is the Lord's Prayer. Copy and paste that, and I just want you to say this every day. You totally can't, because it's a beautiful prayer. But that was not the point. Jesus gave his disciples this prayer because they looked at him and go, how are we supposed to pray? What are we supposed to say? He goes, well, here's a beautiful template for how you could pray. This Lord's Prayer was not intended to be memorized It was intended to be an inspiration to us. For Jesus to go, this is who he is. This is where he is. This is what we call him. This is what you could pray for. And so as we read this first verse of the Lord's Prayer, I want you guys to have that in the forefront of your minds. This was not intended to be a prayer that we say all the time, that we memorize. But like a chord, it's unique unto itself. It's something that, yes, it's a prayer. And yes, it it may sound similar, but it's my prayer. It's what I'm talking about with God. Does that make sense? That's tracking with me? I feel like I kind of lost you with the chord stuff. It's okay. I was waiting for like Brooks Dixon to be like, well, what about an A7, man? Like, um, part of prayer is knowing um, that's our prayer, like I said before. So anyways, the, the first sort of uh, encouragement I wanted to give is to be authentic in prayer. So we talked about being our, having a father. We're kids to him, Okay. So what that means is my kids come to me most often than not, and if they're asking for something, if they need something, if they want to show me something, Malachi barely knows how to talk. You know what I mean? He can talk, but half the time I'm like, can you say it one more time? Because I'm trying to like, I need like a spiritual interpreter to come and help me understand what he's saying. I don't expect my kids to come to me all the time and always have their P's and Q's right, to always say please and thank you, always say yes ma'am, no sir, and all that stuff because they're kids. You know what I mean? My kids should feel the freedom to come to me and be who they are. And that's exactly what it means to be a child of the Father in heaven. Just because he's God doesn't mean, because we're children of God, by the way, that means we don't have to come to him and be like, hey, uh, Heavenly Father who art in heaven, I pray that thou might, uh," like, you don't need all that. It's okay if you pray that way. It's great. If that's your way of praying, do it. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to come in front of him and have a certain way that you pray or a certain, like I said before, a certain accent or a certain tone or the way that you say God or God or spirit or spirit, you know, like you don't have to do all that. You pray how you want to pray. You you guys tracking with me? We're kids. We're children. So be who you are and just pray. Guys, when I pray and I'm in the middle of, you know, like a kid's kid screaming and stuff, like I'm just like, Lord, I'm about to lose my mind. Can you please just give me peace? Show me your peace, Lord. And guess what? I start feeling a little more peaceful. And I did not have to have a written, like, thesis on what I think peace is. Like, I didn't have to do that. He just listens because we're his kids. So be authentic in prayer. Secondly, um, is to be a child in prayer. Because the verse that we're reading is, is our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. So he's our Father. We're children. What does it mean to be a child? So they would read, the the Jewish leaders in in, in Jesus' day would read the Old Testament. And there were moments where the scripture would call God Father. 
But the Jewish leaders would not tell the people of Israel to call him father. The Jewish people were not supposed to call him father. He's not, you're not the son of God. We are, Israel is God's son. Israel is God's child. Okay? So when Jesus comes out, he goes, oh, instead pray like this, our father, the disciples' ears are going to perk up and go, who? Not Yahweh, not Lord, not Adonai, father? I don't know how else to say it to you guys, but you have a father in heaven. You are a child of God today. And just as a side note, whoever your dad is on earth, really awesome, really terrible. Nothing can be compared to your father in heaven because he's in heaven. He's not a part of this world because this world stinks (laughs) most of the time. There's really sweet things in it, but man, the love and the care and the the identity and purpose that he has for you cannot be comprehended. So when you pray, remember that that's the God that's, that you're talking to and that's the God who's listening to you. The one who gives you purpose, gives you value, okay? Let's see, Nas, everybody get that? This isn't just a passing sermon thing, okay? I'm trying to get my like Christianese out of all this and not tr- say too many things like seasons or something. You know, I'm trying to be, be new. Galatians 4 Verses 4 through 6. This is what it means when Jesus says, Father. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The message of the gospel is a message of adoption. We are sons and daughters, and we're talking to our dad in heaven. And he stinking loves you like crazy. I'm, and if you don't believe me, that's on you. But I'm just, I'm just here to testify. All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not about Halloween. It's about the holiness of God. Um, I find it funny that like out of the King James, one of the only words we kept through so many like translations is hallowed. Like we just hung on to it. And we said, we're going to stick to hallowed. But it just means holy. His name is Holy. So I was, in, I was in high school. I played football. I was not very good. And my freshman year, uh, we had a game. And I was in class. And, and on game day, we would wear our jerseys, right? And I'm in class, and I'm wearing my jersey. And I was, you know, being, whatever, 14 years old. And I was joking around with my friends. And the teacher, like, calls me out. And he's like, hey, you need to be quiet. And I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, I'm like a punk 14-year-old kid. And I'm just like, whatever. I'm in my football jersey. I'm just being a doofus. I didn't listen. So finally, he, he's like, bang. Snaps me. I was like, what? He said, uh, I want you to go to your coach's classroom. Yeah, y'all felt that, didn't you? <laughs> being the uh, incredibly obedient kid that I was, I didn't go to my coach's class, and I sat in the bathroom for the rest of the period on my phone. <laughs> Um, we had a game that night, go through the game. Uh, the next practice, I didn't even think about it, like, forgot about it. We're starting to warm up. I'm like three guys behind the warm-up line, right? The coach walks out. He just yells, bang! And I was like, oh, like, what? He said, you were supposed to come to my class on Friday. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, the teacher had called the coach and was like, so-and-so is supposed to come to your room, and I never showed up. And uh, he's like, meet me after practice. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this guy murdered me after practice, guys. It was like 80, 
thousand bear crawls up and down the football field. I mean, it was like we practiced. He pushed me in practice, and then he, like, made me do all these workouts after. And I, like, threw up. I was, like, dying. And he said, <laughs> after practice, he's like, when you wear that jersey, don't act like an idiot. Like, he's just something like that. Like, I was like, yes, sir, you know. Gosh. Being a part of the family of God, being a follower of Jesus, we have a new name on us, you know. Luckily, our God is not like my football coach at Greenville High School. That guy was something else. Um, But, like, we belong to something new, you know what I mean? Like, when we're praying, it's one thing to pray to God and, and ask for things that are in our world, but it's another thing to remember, like, where we come from now. Um, Oliver said this great thing before. I actually have two uh, Oliver celebration quotes today. But he said this one thing where he said, you know, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, you died with him. And when he resurrected, you resurrected with him. So um, when a child gets adopted, it's as if they only ever belong to that family. You understand? So when you come to know Jesus and and you, you follow him and you trust in him, you now bear his name. His name is on you as if it was always on you. It's not like, well, now I follow Jesus. Like, no, it's as if you were only ever his kid, right? So as we live our lives like, and, we, and we walk in prayer, it's not just important to be authentic. It's not just important to remember that we're a child, but it's important to remember that we are holy like he is holy, which means that the old things that we lived in and that we cared about and that we liked and the things that used to frustrate us and make us annoyed or all that stuff is not who we are anymore. Does that make sense? So as you pray, you pray with that perspective that I'm a new creation. That this world I'm living in is not my world. That I belong to my Father in heaven and that's my inheritance. Is heaven and kingdom and glory, right? And I bear his name. So I want to quote, <laughs> quote Oliver today. Uh, a sermon he did a while back on our exile series. He said, your name is attached to glory. The halls of heaven are ringing with the name of Jesus and yours. Your life is now hidden with Christ. And every moment from now to eternity has the seal of heaven on it. So my final encouragement was to be set apart in prayer. Don't just pray flippantly. Don't pray for silly things. You know what I mean? Like, you are a son and daughter of the kingdom of heaven. Pray like it. And live like it. Don't perform, right? Don't feel like you need to earn something, but as an empowerment, be a son, be a daughter, and pray for impossible things. You don't have to pray for silly things. You can pray for incredible things. So as we uh, conclude, I had three questions I wanted us to consider this morning. But before that, I just want to remind you that the Father isn't expecting something elaborate from you. So when I say, like, be authentic, like, he's not expecting you to, like, again, come in with a speech or some sort of eloquent, I don't know, thing to give him so that he'll listen to you. He wants you to come as you are and to be who you are, who he made you to be. As we come to him, we know who our dad is. We know that our dad loves us. And nothing I do is going to disappoint him. That's what I told Nora. Like, you're never going to do anything to where I won't be proud of you. And I'm pushing myself for that because I know my daughter's going to probably do some crazy stuff as she gets older. But I want that for her, you know. I want her to know that her dad will always be here. And our father in heaven will always be there for us, will always support us. So we come confidently as kids. Um, and that prayer, as much as it's, it is a practice, it's something that we should you know, push ourselves to do every day, it's a gift that Jesus gave us in this template of the Lord's Prayer that we're praying to a Father who's in heaven, who has called us holy like he is holy. So these are just three 
questions, if you guys want to take a picture of them, you can. Or if you want to write them down, I would encourage you to do so. Is prayer, oh, is private prayer a joy or a chore? I was going to have you guys like answer them aloud to one another. I'm not going to do that. Um, man, there was a long time in my life where I felt like prayer was something I had to do and I hated doing it. And I felt like before I went to bed, I had to close my eyes and pray. And before I ate my food, I had to close my eyes and pray. But I would encourage you to really think and be honest with yourself. Is it a chore for you to pray? Or is it a joy? Do you find life in prayer? Or does it feel like something that bogs you down? And let that, as I said before, be a diagnostic of where you are in your faith. Number two, do you come to the Lord because you're supposed to or because you want to? It's a different thing when I have come to taste and see the Lord's goodness in my life. If I'm not in constant prayer relationship with him, I can't see the work he's doing around me. And if I can't see the work he's doing around me, I don't want to talk to him. Right? And so if we can just push ourselves, like I said, in that practice and discipline, and sometimes it's going to feel like a chore, and sometimes it's going to feel like I have to, but I can promise and guarantee that the have to is going to turn into I get to do this and I want to do this because I need this. I need this in my life. I need to go to the Lord. And then finally, how can you uniquely set apart your relationship with the Father this week? So that means I would not even count today. You're in church, y'all. You have to sit here. You have to listen to worship. You have to listen to me talk. You came here on your own, and that's great. But like, I'm talking about tomorrow morning or night or whatever it is. How are you going to set apart your relationship with the Father? I'll even change it. How, like, are you going to do it? Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, this, is not, this isn't a joke to me, this walk I have with Jesus. It was for a while. It was an act. It was something I just did for fun. And, you know, I played guitar, and people like to hear me sing, so I got approval from it. But I need this walk now. I'm being serious. I cannot do this without Jesus. I need it. In the days when I don't do it, I feel it. And my family does too. And my wife's like, you better clean it up. Cause... <laughs> so are you going to set apart unique, specific time for your father this week? My last little story, and we'll close up. So testimony about prayer. I told you about my son Malachi. There was this one time... He was younger. He had these gnarly boogers, y'all. Like, it was like that, like the green, like all over his nose. And he just sounded like a pig when he breathed, you know. And he just was crying. Dude would not go to sleep. Crying and crying and crying. I was worn out. I was in there just holding him, you know. Worn out. And it dawned on me. I was like, man, I should just pray for Malachi. And you know the first thing that came to my mind? It's so stupid to pray for my son's boogers. That's so dumb. God doesn't care about boogers, you know. But I'll be honest, that was a lie from the enemy, y'all. Like, so I just stopped. I said, shoot, dude, I'm, I'm praying for boogers. Like, here we go. So I just close my eyes. I'm holding Malachi. And I said, Lord, would you just please heal Malachi's congestion? Would you just get rid of the congestion in Jesus' name? And, Lord, I just want to be able to tell my son one day that you got rid of his boogers. And I said, to be honest, Lord, I just want to see you do something amazing. That's, that was my prayer. I just want to see you do something cool. I want to be able to tell people about it. So you can't just get rid of his boogers and let him sleep. Amen. 
Y'all, he fell asleep. Dude slept for like two and a half hours, woke up, no congestion. Gone. My son was healed. And I prayed like a kid. I just wanted to see my dad do something cool. The father wants that. I love when my kids come and they want to like hear me play piano or hear me play guitar because they think it's cool, you know? They're like, Daddy, play this song. You know, I love that. And our father loves that too. So let's be kids when we pray. Be yourself when you pray. Joey said like he's a really logistical mind. Pray to God like that. You know what I mean? Like, just be yourself. He does not need anything from you but just faithfulness. Just show up and pray. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc. 